to stand and listen for the Gospel. This morning from John chapter 16, beginning in verse 4, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to Him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in Me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you will see Me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own, but will speak whatever He hears. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, because He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. For this reason... I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. This is the Word of God for the people of God. At times, I can be a patient person. At other times, not so much. Most often, my impatience comes out when I'm in traffic. I can be sitting in a line of cars, say at a red light, I'm maybe the third or fourth car back. The light turns green, I'm ready to go. The lead car doesn't move. I'm ready to help. (laughs) I might better say I'm ready to honk. I've been known to be pretty quick with the honk. Let's get with it. My wife is more patient. She's tried to help me with this. She's told me, you know, your strategy really doesn't help anybody. It just kind of annoys everyone around. I know she's right. I know it's not my best Christian witness to the fact that love is patient and kind. And yet, I don't know about you, sometimes I get caught up in that. John Ortberg tells the story of a woman he knows who was out driving one day. She pulled up to the light, lights turns red, she stops, and then her engine stops. She knew a little bit about car engines, so she jumps out of the car, runs around, begins to look under the hood. A fellow pulls up behind her. He begins to honk and honk and honk and honk some more. Finally, she walks back to his window And as sweetly as she can, says, you know, I don't know what's the matter with my car, but if you'd like to help, you could go up there and look, and I'll sit here and honk for you. (laughs) We want what we want. We easily have feelings of entitlement. We expect, express everything. We have express lanes in the grocery store and to pick up our pharmaceuticals. We have express delivery. Our culture has taught us we can have it now. So we want it now. We want it fast. We expect things to go our way 
We expect people to do what we want. I can remember when dial-up internet was a modern marvel. And now we can't wait seconds for an internet connection. I mean, 10 seconds, way too much time. We've become very impatient people. We expect to get what we want. In our text today, I think the disciples run into that. Jesus tells the disciples that He is about to go away. And John tells us that their hearts are filled with sorrow. And surely part of that is because they're going to miss Jesus. But perhaps another part of it is that they are not getting what they want. They want Jesus to stay. They want Him to take over. They want Him to be the leader that they can continue to follow. They want Him to step out front. They'll fall in behind. And Jesus says, I'm going away. And they realize things are really going to be different. They want Him to stay. They like it when He leads. But Jesus charts a different path for them. He tells them about it in verse 7 that we read today. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go, the Advocate will not come. The word Advocate here in Greek is paraclete. It's sometimes translated comforter or counselor. Some translations just use the word helper. Literally, it means one called alongside. One called alongside. Jesus knows the disciples are going to need some help. Jesus knows that we are going to need some help. That when He is gone, we are still going to need guidance. We're still going to need counsel. We're still going to need comfort. And so He tells these disciples, and through John, tells us, there's another one coming. The Advocate. The One who will come alongside of you and be with you. Often in our affirmations of faith, we have a sentence or a paragraph about the Holy Spirit. I've put one in your outline from one of our affirmations from the back of our hymnal. It summarizes it's like this. We believe in the Holy Spirit, God present with us for guidance, for comfort, and for strength. Jesus makes us a promise that you can count on. That God's presence through the Advocate, through the Holy Spirit, will be with you. It was August of 2000. I was an associate at this church, filling the role of Minister of Evangelism and preaching associate for Dr. Biggs. The church was strong. Things were going well. I was comfortable here. I thought I was going to stay a few more years. But one night late, a district superintendent, my district superintendent, called me and said, the bishop has decided we need you to go to First United Methodist Church in Enid. 
It was not what I was expecting to hear. It was not what me or my family wanted to hear. And yet we're United Methodists, so in a few weeks, we were living in Enid at First United Methodist Church. I was serving as pastor. I had barely been there before I met with the trustees. They said, we're kind of in trouble here. We have a whole lot of deferred maintenance. They started telling me about all the items. I said, we need more of a comprehensive list. They made one. They come up, came up with over 40 things that needed to be repaired or fixed. When we put dollars to them, it was over a million dollars. And they were having trouble funding their operating budget. We talked about it. The lay leaders and I strategized. We decided we needed to have a capital campaign. I'd never led a capital campaign. They had had one before, but it had gone terribly. I said, I think we need to hire someone to come and help us. So we interviewed a host of companies, all different sizes of companies. We ended up hiring a company made up of one person. She convinced us that she is the one that could help us. We hired her largely because she convinced us that she would be readily available throughout the process. She committed to being on site at our church more days than all the other people said that they could come and be there. She said she would be there through all phases of the campaign, that she would come while we were preparing. She would be there while we were executing, and she would even come to help us follow up over the next couple of years after the campaign had concluded. When I needed help, if I had a question while we were in the campaign, I called her. When our lay leaders needed some guidance, they met or called and talked with her. In the middle of the campaign, when some people began to get nervous, I sent them to talk with her. And she fulfilled her promises. She was there with us all through. We called the campaign Rise and Shine, and that we did. They came together through that campaign and raised over the amount of money we needed to be able to complete all those different projects. She was a person of mature faith and deep trust in God. So she led out of her relationship with Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But she was a great example of what it means to come alongside and help someone take a step in faith. Jesus says to the disciples, I am going away. But I'm going to send one, the Advocate, who will be with you forever. In your times of need, in your times of trouble, in your times of confusion, in your times where you're undecided or uncertain, in your times when you're feeling down, when you're full of sadness and sorrow, in your times of struggle, in your times of indecision, Jesus says, trust me. God is with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit is with you. God is here for you now and whenever you are in need. The Advocate is the one that does and will come alongside of you. It's one of the great gospel promises. 
Jesus goes on as He talks to His disciples that night. In verse 13, He says to them, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. Now, truth is used in this passage, and it's used in a number of other passages throughout John. Some have speculated that it's pointing to some kind of secret or some kind of special doctrine that the other Gospels don't talk about. I don't think so. As I read through John, I think it's pretty clear. The text makes it clear that the truth is Jesus. The truth is all about Jesus Christ. If you think about the way that John uses this word, you can find it and see how he connects it to Jesus throughout his gospel. If you flip back to the first chapter, John writes, The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In chapter 14, when Jesus is talking with his disciples, he says to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. In the passage that we were reading from last week where Jesus is praying to God in the presence of the disciples but talking about them, He says this about them to God. They know that everything You have given Me is from You. For the words that You gave to Me, I have given to them. And they have received them and know in truth that I came from You and they have believed that You have sent Me. The truth they know is is about Jesus and that God has sent Him to be with us and has sent Him for us. Earlier, just before the passage we read today at the very end of chapter 15, there's another passage where Jesus is speaking. He says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, He will testify on my behalf. He will testify about Jesus. John says consistently that the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will guide us in the way of Christ, will guide us in the way of truth. As Jesus discusses this relationship between Himself and the Father and the Advocate, He makes it clear that they're all saying the same thing. He says, I have come to you and everything I've said, the Father has given me. Now there's another one who's going to come, and he's only going to speak what he hears from me. I will tell him, he will tell you. Therefore, when the Holy Spirit is speaking, we say, God is speaking. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's called the Trinitarian formula, but we call God the Trinity three in one because there's a consistency in terms of what is going on, and together they make up the fullness of God. As I was thinking about these seniors and their graduation from high school, my mind went back to when I was that age and about to graduate high school and I was planning to go on to college. I had some people who knew me who were Christians. They were concerned about me going to college because they said, you've got to be careful or you'll lose your faith. Those professors over there, they'll attack your faith. They were worried that somehow I would lose my Christian faith. They had seen me grow up in the church. They were concerned about what was going to happen if I went to school and heard lots of other ideas. 
But I had faith then, and I have the same faith now that I can learn about lots of things, and it doesn't threaten my faith. I can learn from the geologists and the anthropologists and the archaeologists. I can learn from the physicists and the philosophers and the sociologists and the psychologists. We can learn from all of them. God has created all of them. God has given us minds, and I think God expects us to use them and develop them. I don't worry about what I might learn because I believe Jesus Christ is the truth and can stand up to whatever questions somebody might raise. I had other people in my life when I was getting ready to go to seminary. They said similar things. Watch out, it can run your faith. Those theologians, they can run your faith. I wasn't really worried. I was excited to go and learn. The danger is not in the other disciplines. The danger is in not staying grounded in faith as we explore all these other wonderful insights about humanity and creation. If I walk in the way that the church has taught me so that I have an active prayer life, that I'm part of a small group at a church, that I'm attending worship regularly, that I'm reading Scripture and other writings of Christians, I don't have to worry about what others are studying and learning and sharing. It's all a part of God's creation. The danger is not in what they do. The danger lies in us. Remember the image of the vine and the branches. Jesus says we've got to stay connected. The problem becomes if we go off to college or go off to seminary or wherever we go in our lives is when we don't stay connected to the body of Christ. When we get out on our own and no longer are practicing the disciplines of faith that we've been taught, that's when things can get confusing. That's when we can go astray. I don't worry about any of these young people. They've been brought up in the faith. They're going to take their next step, but as they stay connected to the church, they're going to do great. Oh, we pray for them, and we'll counsel them, we'll support them in all the ways we can, but they're going to do fine. I thought about what Jesus says in another context, but I think it applies here. It's back in John in chapter 8. He says this, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I think that's the right attitude. It made me think of that old hymn, Open My Eyes That I May See. It was written over a hundred years ago, but it's got such a great faith. Seniors, listen to these words I'm about to read you. I'm going to read you the lyrics this faith that we'll read about here in just a moment, I think it's the right attitude. It's a powerful and profound and faithful way to approach life. I want to read you these three verses. The author writes, Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp 
and set me free. Silently now I wait for Thee. Ready, my God, Thy will to see. Open my eyes, illumine me, Spirit divine. Open my ears that I may hear voices of truth. Thou sendest clear. And while the wave notes fall on my ear, everything false will disappear. Silently now, I wait for Thee. Ready, my God, Thy will to see. Open my ears. Illumine me, Spirit divine. Open my mouth and let me bear gladly the warm truth everywhere. Open my heart and let me prepare love with Thy children thus to share. Silently now, I wait for Thee. Ready, my God, Thy will to see. Open my heart. Illumine me, Spirit divine. Amen.